Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about the Detroit Riverfront. Uh, A new proposal that we saw in the last week talks about redeveloping the riverfront in a different way. Redeveloping the riverfront so that it focuses on public access rather than private development, something that we have not really seen, not only in this city, but in lots of other cities around the country. I think it's something that Detroit is going to get a lot of attention for once it gets going. John Gallagher, the Detroit Free Press business columnist, will be here to talk about what that looks like and what it means. We are also going to catch up with David DiChiara, the retiring founder and artistic director of the Michigan Opera Theater about uh, his career and about the new uh, performance that is taking place at the Michigan Opera Theater. So you're going to want to stay tuned to both of those segments. But first, this year we have on Fridays been inviting in folks who see the world through different lenses than I do, people who come from a more conservative point of view than I do. Of course, I sit here every day talking about the way I see things and invite guests in and have conversations from that point of view. Uh, It's really important, I think, right now that we reach out and include other voices in those conversations, voices that some of us don't hear very frequently. Uh, So we've had lots of folks in so far. And today I am joined by Lena Epstein, who's the general manager of Vesco Oil Corporation, and she served as co-chair for the Trump Michigan campaign. Lena, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. We're going to talk about Obamacare. We're going to talk about uh, what the Republicans say they want to do to it. We'll talk a little about the EPA. Uh, we will also talk about some of the unsubstantiated claims that the president made just this week. Uh, seems like every week he's making sort of unsubstantiated accusations about something. This week, uh, they were about Obama having wiretapped his home in New York City. Did that happen? Did it not? Should the president have not said anything about it, even if it were true? 313-577-1019, again, is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work your comments into the conversation. So, Lena, uh, I'm going to start with this question, <laughs> and I'm going to be I'm going to be nice to you. I promise. You don't have to be so nice. I can handle it. <laughs> I know. I know you can handle yourself. Uh, so, one of the things that I have been asking Donald Trump supporters lately is, okay, you supported him in the campaign. There may have been legitimate reasons that you felt like, look, uh, this was this was the Republican nominee. I got to get behind him. He gets elected. Everyone sort of pivots to the idea that, okay, well, he's the president now and he will behave presidentially. He will change in a way that fits the job. We're we're just uh, about a month and a half into this presidency and we've seen no sign of that. I mean, before we get to the substantive things. Uh, the of the the question about Obamacare, the question about wiretapping, the question about environmental regulation. I just want to talk uh, with you about this president's behavior and whether you think it comports with the contours of the office that he was elected to. Is is Donald Trump acting as if he is the president of the United States? I think that's a great question. 
It's a question I get asked basically on a daily basis. And I think it's important that we have this discussion. What do we expect as the American people in the behavior of our president? I never anticipated that President Trump would change day one in office. In fact, I believe that most people, including myself, were expecting him to stay the same. He's a human being. He's highly flawed, just like you are, Stephen, just like I am. Well, maybe just, not just like me. Okay, but. well, maybe you're the exception <laughs> to the rule. But in general, he, he is an imperfect being doing his best to lead. I think that his behavior begs an interesting question. Do we want somebody who's politically correct? Or do we want somebody that's going to take on the tough issues, perhaps speak in a brash way at times, shoot from the hip at times, which can be startling to some and pleasing to others. I think at the end of the day, he was elected by the American people because he speaks the truth. His truth, the truth, by by all means. There have been plenty of times that I have not agreed with him. I have said, I wish he hadn't said that. I don't think that that was right. I can still identify with things that I don't love about our president and believe very fundamentally he's the right man for the job. And so I guess I could accept that uh, if if I thought that was universally applied in American politics. But let's just go back six months, eight months, 10 months or a year to when uh, Barack Obama was the president of the United States. Nobody would have given him a pass on this kind of behavior. No one would have said that it was okay that if he were tweeting at five in the morning accusing people of things he had no proof of, no one would uh, no one would excuse him questioning the results of an election and then offering no no evidence that that, that, that actually happened. I mean, why is it okay for Donald Trump to be Donald Trump? Uh, and it it was it was never okay, frankly, for some people, for Barack Obama, who is one of the more, uh, distinguished and reserved personalities that uh, that you'll meet in American politics. What's the difference? Talk about why it's okay now. I don't think it's necessarily fair to assume that the American electorate would not have allowed that. I think that President Obama and his and and the campaign Obama presented something very different, something very eloquent, very uh, flowery and pleasing language. Had he tried Twitter at the time a number of years ago? Had he tried to appeal with more curt and perhaps direct language? Let's let's not make any assumptions about what the American electorate would have wanted back then. We're talking about two men with distinctly different personalities, different ideologies, different approaches. But in the end, whether we love or hate either president, I believe that each man did his best to serve our country. And and President Trump is in that role right now. We need to give him the respect and the time necessary to fill the role and follow through on the promises that he made to the American people during the campaign. And does it worry you that, for instance, uh, this this latest accusation he made against President Obama, that somehow uh, Obama was involved in a wiretap operation of his tower in New York City, which is not just, uh, that's not just an opinion, Coming from the president of the United States, if it's not true, uh, it could be considered defamation. Uh, if he does have some intelligence information that that suggests to him that this is true, here he is sharing it on Twitter, which is not appropriate. Uh, what's the limit in your mind of, of this kind of behavior? At what point does he cross the line? Part of his commitment to the American people 
was that he would be transparent and he would use continued means as necessary, including social media, whether people love or hate it. He would use this as a tool for communicating directly with the electorate. And I do, I am aware that the president is privy to information that you and I are not privy to. And he has asked for an investigation. And I believe in that investigation. I support that investigation. And let's let the chips fall. And then let's talk about the results of that investigation to have a more comprehensive discussion. There have been plenty of times that I have read a tweet and disagreed with the president's timing. I would hope in in certain cases that he would offer a more conventional way to communicate. At the same time, I continue to understand why he uses Twitter. Having interfaced with local, national, and international media for many months on the campaign trail, it became very clear to me that while the media couldn't stand Donald Trump in most instances, they would take their biases and they would put his supporters on the stage and have us debate. And in the end, I think that this slanted perspective is real. And President Trump has had difficulty conveying the truth about his perspective through a very slanted media. I applaud you, Stephen, and the, and the network for bringing conservative voices onto the station to, to dialogue. Because in a lot of media environments, that has not been available. President Trump needs to get the important messages out to the people. This has been a tool, whether we love it or hate it, it helped get him to the presidency. It's going to continue to be there probably throughout his entire presidency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Lena Epstein. She's the general manager of Vesco Oil Corporation, also served as the co-chair for the Trump Michigan campaign. She is here this morning uh, telling us how she sees things from her point of view, something we've been doing every Friday this year, uh, inviting in people who see the world through a little different lens than I do, something that I think is really important right now uh, for us to be able to have these kind of conversations and not uh, not throw fists at each other, uh, not leave thinking that uh, the other person is somehow less American or maybe even less human. Uh, if you think about the rancor that uh, is uh, attending lots of discussions about politics uh, these days. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313 71019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Lena, I want to ask you now about uh, the Obamacare uh, uh, debate that's happening in the U.S. House. A, I want to ask you as a, a, a supporter of Donald Trump, but also as a business owner, uh, uh, let's let's talk about what they're what they're doing. Why you think it's uh, either reasonable or not reasonable, uh, and and what you think will will come of it. I have been surprised, I think, by the level of opposition that it's met within the Republican Party so far. I mean, the far right is not satisfied with how far it goes. That could be as much of a problem as uh, as Democratic opposition or moderate Republican opposition to the the changes and the way they might take coverage away from people. But I'm, I'm curious what your what your view is of that. Sure. I think it's very early in the process and that there's going to be lots of opportunities on your show over the weeks ahead to have discussions with your with your guests about this as it evolves. And it is going to evolve. Our American uh, system is in place so that people can debate. They can argue about issues. And I say this over and over. Our folks in Congress 
are running for office the minute that they get elected. Every single member of Congress in both parties, but I'll speak to the Republican Party, are thinking about their district, his or her district, his or her constituents, the commitments that were made on the trail. So that's why I think it's so messy. You have ideology and the practicalities of individual districts serving the districts, fulfilling campaign promises. So I'm I'm okay with dissension in the House. I'm okay with there being debate between what President Trump wants to do and what what the the further right want to do. That's 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 what America was was designed to make room for. In the end, there is going to have to be a level of compromise. In the end, we can all agree from within the Republican Party that Obamacare is broken in terms of its long-term viability. And I'm excited to be part of the debate uh, as, a, as a constituent, a concerned citizen, as, a, as an activist. I'm excited to interface with uh, members of Congress and the Senate, and I will be doing that. But in the end, I do believe that, that the, the best solution will prevail. So, so when you say that uh, Obamacare is broken and and sustain and unsustainable long term, which parts of it uh, are you referring to? Because, and I think the, the the reason I ask is because I think we all sort of see this from different from different uh, perspectives. It's worked in the sense that it's got twenty million people who did not have health insurance on the insurance. It has not worked. Uh, in terms of controlling costs, so that not only the overall cost of healthcare, but the cost that individual consumers uh, bear for healthcare is is in some cases gotten way out of control. In other cases, it's it's not uh, it's not getting better. It's also in terms of uh, if you're a business owner, I think uh, most business owners would say this is costing us more than it than it used to, or putting us in in positions that we don't want to be in. So which which of those I guess, which of those perspectives would you claim for your own? I can't help but wear my business owner hat first. And I can speak from personal experience in in owning and operating a business that the pressure, the financial pressure from Obamacare is potentially cost prohibitive and, and risks putting good businesses out of business. And Vesco Oil is very, very fortunate to be a strong business, a growing business, and part of a really, really exciting industry. But the reality is that that businesses across this country are facing cost prohibitive rises as a result of Obamacare. There is no disagreement amongst any American that I know of that the ideal solution would be for everyone to have coverage. I think that that's that's the goal. And then there's economic realities that come into play of who's going to pay for that and how without putting businesses out of business. The economic effect of having small to medium-sized businesses go out of business because that that can punish that can punish American healthcare for everybody. Sure, sure. Uh, but the, the the question of universal coverage, of course, bumps up against the question of who pays for that. Right? Uh, there are people who don't have jobs. There are people who have jobs that don't provide health insurance. What do you do with them if you're not going to, for instance, expand Medicaid, which uh, Republicans have said they don't support, uh, they don't like what's been done there? What's the alternative to try to get coverage for those folks? Right. Well, I'm going to get a little philosophical on you for a moment. If you can bear with me. That's all right. Go ahead. The Republican Party stands for a world in which individuals take responsibility for themselves and have agency and have choice and have education in the best case scenario to be prepared 
to earn money, to have a job, to provide health care and other resources for themselves and their family. This is the ideology upon which I sit every single day and look at the world. Given that, there's the, pra- there's the practical reality of homelessness and lack of education and and infrastructure that can't support everybody having a job, and that all has to be addressed. I believe in this, in spreading this ideology and in inspiring people, not handing them a fish, but giving them a fishing rod and teaching them how to fish. When we get to that place and our gross domestic product grows and poverty levels and the, the amount of people under the poverty line shrinks, then this country will have a ro- more robust Healthcare platform, healthcare provision. This is this is where I come from every single day. Yeah. It is not an overnight solution. This is a multi generational solution. Well, see, but I'm going to devote my life to this cause. But see, that's the problem, right? Uh, it's not a it's not an overnight solution. You have people right now who don't have access to the healthcare system except through emergency, which costs us more. Uh, also makes their health or their overall health uh, more precarious. And and the other thing, I mean, that's a really, I think that's a really beautiful sentiment, what you just stated about the idea of having everybody in a space where they're independent enough uh, to be able to provide for themselves. But America's never delivered on that kind of promise for everybody. I mean, from the beginning, we have kept certain people out because of the color of their skin. We've kept other people out because of their religion. We've kept people out because of their gender. And so when you have that history, uh, you can't then sort of uh, declare everything equal in the present and say, well, everyone's just on their own. I think uh, it's very difficult to, to, to take at face value the idea of this equality of opportunity that you're talking about, which is, I agree, a wonderful dream that uh, that this country is in theory predicated on, but that it has never it has never played out that way. And so, why should people wait for their opportunity, or why should we force people to wait for that opportunity rather than saying we're going to give it to you uh, the way that the best way that we can? I don't think that making decisions about the future based on history is always a good idea. I think it's dangerous. Well, I would argue that even more dangerous is making decisions about the future without accounting for history. And that's what we've done for a really long time. I have met so many people in my political involvements that have lifted themselves up from poverty, from financial strains, found work, hustled harder than the people around them and were able to get their lives together and are now identifying with the Republican Party, African-American members of our community, Hispanic members of our community. This is the this is the model minority narrative that that Republicans trot out all the time. And and it, it is so it is so in in conflict with history. It is so it is such an ahistorical perspective. The idea that a few people are able to overcome incredible amounts of discrimination and unfairness is not an argument against, uh, is not an argument for uh, saying, well, why can't everybody do that? See, I struggle when I hear you say there's a lot of discrimination. I can, I can speak from my experience in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Our party is built on the platform, the party of Lincoln, the party that, that abolished slavery. 
I want you to come, Stephen, to a party Republican. that is now in favor of uh, stricter voter ID and and all kinds of disenfranchisement. I would like you to come to some Republican events and to meet people and talk to people until you've really immersed yourself. It's going to be difficult from your position to have a full and informed perspective with all due respect. Saying I don't know enough Republicans, that seems very unlikely. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is it requires total immersion, even on a temporary basis, to see the full picture of what the Republican and conservative movement is all about. And I, I want people to be to feel invited, to feel welcome to 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 come and, and be part of the Republican Party to see what we stand for, to, to know the truth of our message without negative rhetoric from the left. And that's why this program is so great. This is an the Republican Party is an inclusive party. When you when I think about the the issue of health care, I, I know it's going to be messy. It's going to be very political. It's going to take more time than uh, my friend Paul Ryan would like to think it's going to take. <laughs> But in the end, I believe that our American process will speak louder than individual personalities and we will come to the right right solution. Okay. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join us. Uh, Lena Epstein is my guest. She's the general manager of Vesco Oil Corporation, also co-chair of the Trump for Michigan campaign. We're talking about politics as we do every Friday now with someone who sees the world very differently than I do. Again, 313-577-1019. Joanne in Plymouth, you're up first. Welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Okay. Well, I was listening to Lena on the phone, and, you know, I think that even the Republicans have been talking for, like, seven years about their, you know, their base has said to um, repeal Obamacare, but guess what? You know, a lot of people have changed, and I go to a lot of events. I mean, both ways. You know, I go to a, a lot of, you know, things to the community, and even my Republican friends are now worried that they might lose their coverage due to the fact they have pre-existing conditions. Yeah. And I see people who are Republican at even more liberal events now because they say they just can't stand this anymore. So, you know, I don't think you can stay stagnant by saying that, you know, you're playing to your base when the base has changed. And I think that right now the base is so, um, you know, flexible by virtue of the fact that all these things are happening. People are changing their views all the time. Yeah. So I think people have to rethink their views on a constant basis. Things yeah. change every day. Joanne, that's a that's a wonderful uh, comment. Thank you very much, uh for calling and 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 sharing it, Lena. Do you have a reaction to what she's saying? I now? just, Joanne, I loved your message, and I particularly loved what you said about how important it is for people to look at their views and challenge their views and question their views. That applies to to all of us. That applies to me on a regular basis. I think it takes a certain level of psychological flexibility to be a full participant in today's society with the onslaught of information that we get the way that news is generated from basically any corner of the world. And I just appreciate that sentiment. I also um, recognize and want to give you some kudos for for putting yourself in a diverse uh, amount of uh, di- differing situations, whether that's community or political um, environments. And I, I appreciate the feedback very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Anudam in uh, Canton. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning. Thank Hi. you for the show. I love the show. Thank you. Go um, ahead. I, I mean, there's a lot going on here, so kind of uh, figuring out where to start. But <laughs> first, let me say that the this whole conversation about the tweets and the media blowing things out of proportion, I feel like 
we need to continue to question when there is false information, regardless of where it's coming from, we should be questioning it, whether it's WDET, NPR, CNN, Fox News, whatever. Where I'm having a hard time today is any time that people question Trump or his administration, that is automatically labeled as fake news. When there is so much false information coming out of the administration, repeatedly false information that's been proven to be false, no one is taking ownership of spreading that false information. And I think that is a huge disservice to the American people. And additionally, all these tweets, while I applaud the president for wanting to continue to communicate regularly, I feel like the focus is being diverted from really important issues to these really bizarre issues like The Apprentice Show or something else. (laughs) And when we really need to be talking about how to improve our education system, creating jobs, homelessness, improving health care. So that's that's point one. Point two, I applaud this individualistic attitude that the conservatives have. However, this country was not built on just me, 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 or you. And we can't just look at these really, you know, random examples of, I pulled myself up from the bootstraps. You should be able to do that as well. What makes this country great is that we have worked together hard to get to the place that we're at. We're giving, we're kind, and no one, and I think I can't say I'm successful because I did it and I worked hard. I'm where I am because of the people around me. Yeah, yeah. I was given opportunities. I was, give, I was fortunate enough to be at the right place at the right time, yeah. to have an education, and to say that I did that alone and to use myself Anudum. as an example is not fair. Yeah, Anudam, I think that 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 you you put your finger right on one of the sort of cardinal differences between the right and left. I think in this country, which is this this and forgive me, Lena, I'm going to say this this myth of of individual triumph uh, in in the face of systemic uh, institutional bias. I mean, this is a country that's founded on institutional bias. I mean, it's founded on the idea that people who look like me aren't even human, uh, are, are, not, uh, are not full human beings. And yes, we've changed a lot over uh, 230 years, but the idea that you somehow wipe away that difference by changing the law, for instance, uh, is is absurd. I mean, the, the the idea that things are now equal and that that therefore means everybody's just got to sort of sink or swim on their own, I think, uh, horribly downplays what role history plays in all of uh, what we're doing. I think it's very risky to call an ideology a myth just because you don't prescribe to it. And I want to be really clear that when we speak about conservative philosophy and conservative idealism, this is not about being alone. This is about individual priorities and perspectives. Everything that we do as a community is based on doing it as a community. Nobody can act alone. We are all God's children. We are all created equally. There is no part of the Republican platform that feels any differently. I do want to say that I, I want to speak to this uh, lady's comments that I want to thank you for, for what you said. I thought you were extremely thoughtful and had several very good points. When we talk about President Trump's tweets and fake news, I think that we need to be very cautious as civilians in what we call a fact. 
For example, we have very limited knowledge about what President Trump is aware of. That's why investigations go on. That's why we have Congress and a Senate and a judiciary process. As civilians, we're limited. We read something off the media. We might talk to somebody who's an elected official, but we need to be very cautious on both sides and respect the political process, respect the investigation to ensue. Do you think that leaking things on Twitter, even if he knows them, is respecting the process? I mean, isn't that disrespecting the process? The president has told these things in confidence, and he's putting it out on Twitter maybe as the truth, maybe not as the truth. There's no way to verify it. There's no way to really impeach it. What, what, what value does it add to the conversation? I think he's fulfilling his promises that he made to the folks that elected him, which was, I'm going to be a transparent president. I'm going to do things that aren't necessarily popular. I want you to no longer feel forgotten and left in the dark. There is a lot of America that feels very, very left in the dark and is now feeling communicated with for the first time. Okay. I'm not sure he's shining a light, but he's shining something. All right, Lena Epstein, it is always a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, we will have you back to talk more about uh, this presidency and all the issues surrounding it. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. I know that we're a country divided. Keep keep doing the good work that you're doing, Stephen. We'll keep having people like you come in here and tell me how wrong I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Up next, we're going to talk about the plan for the Detroit Riverwalk, how different it looks from what we have done in the past. Stay with us on Detroit Today.